Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Each week and every week, we lift our tankards and try a new style of German beer. Ja, guten Abend. Willkommen zu A Good Drop. Wir reden über Oktoberfest und deutsches Bier. Yes, this week we're talking about Oktoberfest and all the different varieties of beer involved. Where it came from, how it is today, and why we want to celebrate it. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Prost. Uh, so, well, of course, it wouldn't be a, a uh, wouldn't be Oktoberfest without also having some fantastic German food. We've got some uh, Kranski in front of us as well to munch on while we are drinking because food and drink go very well together. Yes, that is the essence of Oktoberfest, really. Food it's, and drink and agriculture, mm, apparently. Yes, it's a celebration. Mm. There's lots. Lots, lots going on. Fancy outfits or costumes, uh, hundreds of different types of beer, um, fantastic German food. I mean, it's it's spread so widely compared to what it originally came from. Yeah, well, I mean, if we consider that it began on October 12th in 1810 with the marriage of Crown Prince Ludwig, who later became King, Lud- King Ludwig I... To Princess Tries von Sachsen Hildegahausen was celebrated in Bavaria, and October 17, five days after the marriage, a large fest was held in front of the Sendlinger Tor, one of the gates leading to Munich. Mm. And included in those festivities were horse races that became an Oktoberfest custom until 1938. And uh, in 1811, an agriculture fair was added, and by 1818, beer pubs were included along with performers and it became a great tourist attraction and a way for visitors to learn about Bavaria and its people. Hmm. Along with the starting of this tradition, the fields in front of the city gates were renamed Theresienweiser or Theresa's Meadow. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, in honor of the crown princess and it's and it's kept its name ever since, although the locals have apparently abbreviated the name to simply Weissen. Yeah, and uh, so let's, I guess, while we're talking about the tradition of it, before we get too much into the beer, talk about the costumes. Yes, because up until researching for this episode, I thought it was just people being culturally appropriative jerks. Yeah, and literally just literally just dressing up for the fun of it, but mm. it's it's not. Dressing in traditional Bavarian attire is, of is the festival. <laughs> is is the thing. That's that's part of it. That's been there since the beginning. The mm. the men should wear Lederhosen and the women should wear Dirndls. And there's a very interesting tidbit about these two outfits as well. So Lederhosen obviously directly translate to leather pants. And it ends up being like a leather leather overalls. Yeah, worn over a plain white shirt or something mm. usually. Yeah, and the the Dirndl is a three-piece that is generally a white blouse, a skirt, and an apron. Mm. And the uh, truly interesting thing about it, the thing that got my 
attention here is not the fact that when you buy a Durndal, generally you buy all three pieces in one go as a set. Mm. I mean, I that's I think it's stitched together it over in Australia anyway. Some some of them are. It depends where you get it mm. because you can get them for as little as fifty dollars up into the hundreds. Mm. How nice do you want your outfit? To yeah, be? how nice do you want your outfit to be? But it turns out that how you tie the apron for your Durndal says something. Mm. Well, from our from our reading, anyway. So we we found an article by this woman, and she was saying that, according to tradition, if you have your Durndal tied on your left, it signifies that you are. Single or available. Yeah, and if it's tied on your right, it means you're taken. And uh, allegedly, if it's tied at the front, it means you're a virgin. Though why you'd want to advertise that is beyond me. Well, but different different cultures and different times. I'm sure it was a selling point, I guess you could call it, way back in the day in the 1800s. Yeah, though uh, people can't really seem to decide when the tradition originated, though, when that actually became a thing. Is it a traditional tradition or a modern tradition? Hmm. That isn't really known. But supposedly, if you ask around at any given Oktoberfest event, people will tell you. That that's that's the way of it. Yep, that's what you do. It's a thing. Yeah. So, Oktoberfest has run pretty much nonstop since. Well, the the Munich Oktoberfest has run pretty much nonstop since 1810. So in so the first occasion in 1813, the festival was cancelled due to the involvement of Bavaria in the Napoleonic Wars. Um, obviously, it just kept blowing up from there. So even though it was cancelled, people are still coming back for the party. 1866 was the second occasion because Bavaria was involved in the Austro-Prussian War. Uh, In 1870, the Franco-Prussian War again forced the cancellation of the festival. Uh, In 1873, it was cancelled again during during a cholera epidemic. And that's it for the... 18th century in the 19th century they suspended it for a few years for world war one or the or the great world war the world war i guess they called it back then and in 1923 and 1924 it was cancelled due to hyperinflation um no it wasn't uh cancelled during world war Two. the nazi used it as propaganda well, that that makes sense. I mean, they they did actually have a lot of people dressed in uh, lederhosen and and dirndls in a lot of their propaganda. Yeah, so, so of course getting... they would jump on an event where mm. that's what everybody wears. Yeah, because the Jews wouldn't have been allowed to wear them because they're racist. <laughs> well, yes, I mean that that was half of the shtick, wasn't it? Yeah. But let's, uh, I so, guess, well, continuing. Let, let, yeah into let's talk about the beer and and the rules behind the beer Mm. because as we've mentioned in previous episodes there's really nobody who takes beer as seriously as germany i don't think anyone takes beer making beer as seriously as the germans i mean i think australians take beer pretty seriously but not not up to that 
level. Mm. Like, we take it seriously and we really like it, but we don't have any heavy-duty rules around what is a beer, what can be in it, what can't be in it, what can be Mm. called beer. So the result of this is, of course, the Reinheitsgebot. Basically, the designation de origin contrale for beer. For German beer, specifically. And the rules of the Munich Beer Festival are pretty strict. They say that the beers must conform to the Reinheitsgebot and the beers must have been brewed within the city limits of Munich. So it can't... Yeah, nothing else can get served at that point in time. For those three weeks, Nothing, no other beer can get served. Amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy, but... Like crazy strict, not mm. crazy crazy. Obviously, it yeah. it makes perfect sense. It's led to why German beer is so amazing and looked upon so favorably the world over. Mm. And the purpose, what it was first introduced in 1516, at which time it was called the Bavarian Order of 1516, <laughs> was in part to prevent price competition with bakers for wheat and rye. Oh, was it? Yeah, so it restricted beers of the time to barley grains, which meant that bread should be more affordable because wheat and rye were restricted to use by bakers. Mm. It makes sense because people want to... The government probably thought... Or the... You can't really call it government when it's the the king, I guess. Yeah, probably not. But I suppose Mm. the king is still the government. Yeah, the yeah whoever laid down a ruling probably because people were drinking the the wheat stocks instead of eating them and starving yeah and of course they didn't necessarily want that but things slowly changed over time of course because it had a huge impact on the diversity of the beers that drew, that it had a huge impact on the diversity of beers that German brewers could make. It limited them immensely. And so over time, it was changed, it was amended, things were added. And it was said, okay, well, you can make this using wheat or rye. Those things aren't in, you know, aren't in low amount anymore. We don't have those issues, but you can't call it beer. Mm. Which explains the... Uh, Weissen, uh label for all of these new beers or or German wheat beers. I mean, the rest of the world calls them beers, but they can't sell them as beer. So they, they just call it uh, wheat. Yeah, so it still meets the rules of the Reinheitsgebot because they haven't called it beer, so they haven't breached it. But it's, but it's basically beer. But it's it's basically a beer, but it is technically not a beer. Hmm. But what we are drinking at the moment is a beer. Well, it's a Hefeweizen. It's not a beer. <laughs> well, I thought this wasn't the Hefeweizen. Wasn't it the Marzen? No, this is the Hefeweizen. Oh, we're drinking the Hefeweizen, so hmm. it's, it's not a beer. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, because t- today, for this, we are having our own mini podcast recording version of Oktoberfest, during which we're drinking four different German mm. beer and not beers. 
Well, we can call them beers. We can call them beer because we're in Australia, yes. Yeah. So we're drinking four different German beers. Um, Though two of them are not actually German at all, but were made by craft breweries right here in Australia. Yeah, local craft, our local craft brewers uh, did us a favor and got us some really nice, really nice drinks. Yeah, because when Oktoberfest comes up around here... Some of our favorite craft brewers jump into high gear and start producing German-style beers. Mm. Well, it makes sense. And importing alcohol into Australia is very expensive because we have to pay uh, import duties on them. Yeah, and because German beers have a very high alcohol content, Mm. and as we've mentioned in previous episodes, the Australian alcohol import tax relates to alcohol content the more alcoholic the beer the more tax you have to pay on it Mm -hmm. so yeah naturally producing it in country is just clever yeah and it i i really love the craft beer scene because it's not seen as a competition like everyone's collaborating to produce fantastic brews and the same thing is happening with Oktoberfest. Instead of importing thousands of liters of beer and paying through the nose for them, the, the local craft brewers are making them instead. Yeah, I mean, naturally, if we were to go to the local German club and one of the Oktoberfest things there, hmm. they would have the locally produced German beers, but they would also, well, the locally produced German style beers, hmm. but they would also have imported german german beers and the comparison between the two is not a not that big a difference like it's definitely a particular style like the german lagers german wheat beers they have a particular flavor that's recognizable they got that sort of uh cured meat flavor i guess yeah and i mean certainly it it feels to me as though our local craft breweries have done a pretty good job of duplicating Mm that flavor that comes from German beers. I mean, last, last Oktoberfest, we were drinking the German stuff and the locally produced stuff. Well, we thought that was nicer. But, yeah, we did. Um, but, but the bonus that the local brewers have over the imports is that they're brewing it for local tastes. Mm, that's, that's true. That's very true. Anyway, we should, uh, we should describe what we're drinking because this is the Hefeweizen. It's a very light, refreshing lager. No, sorry, wheat beer. It's a very light and refreshing wheat beer. Mm. Um, Being a wheat beer, it's a little cloudy. It's not uh, completely clear. It's a sort of golden color almost. Mm. Uh, A light light golden color, I would say. Yeah, somewhat uh, reminiscent of the color of a Chardonnay. Yeah? You reckon? Reminiscent. Reminiscent. Like, I suppose that colour, but darker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a different shade of the same colour. <laughs> or is it a different tint? Or oh, different tint, yes. A different tint. I, d- I don't know. I'm just playing. Yes. Let's, we, we are not an art podcast. <laughs> no. There's plenty of those out there. Mm. Send us some recommendations. But it obviously smells like beer. It's got... I don't know, there's a particular flavor profile that wheat beers have, but I haven't had enough to really pick it and describe it for you guys, sorry. Yeah, it's um, 
Not very. It's not particularly bitter. It's not overly hoppy. No, it's very low on the bitter bitterness scale. I think I read somewhere where it's got about. I typically a uh, hefeweizen has typically about fifteen IBUs on the bitterness scale. If you remember mm. back to our craft beer episode, we described what IBUs an IBU is, along with the. Uh, ECU, EC something, the color, the color. Yes, I, I I forget what the color one is, but yeah, color, bitterness, hops, etc. Um, so this is not bitter. It's a, a little yeasty. Um, tastes a little carby. Um, the I suppose the bubbles are very taste very small. Um, yeah, it, it's got a very it's got a very pleasant mouth feel. It's not. Overwhelming with fizz. Yeah. So imagine uh, on the opposite end, you've got um, champagne or Coke where the bubbles feel really big and fuzzy in your mouth. Like they take up a lot of space when you take a sip. Yeah. Versus this where the bubbles are really tiny and it creates a tongue tingling sensation. Yeah, and you don't feel as though you immediately need to burp after you've had a mouthful. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, but let's uh, I suppose try and try and describe the flavour to to some extent. We've described the mouthfeel. Certainly the the smell. Yeah, is beer, but it's a sweeter beer smell. Hmm. Yeah, it's very mild. Um, I don't know. It tastes beery. <laughs> Yeah, I think a little, a little on the fruity side. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, a slight sweetness where you would expect to find bitterness. Mm. And possibly a little bit bready, but that's probably where the that probably comes from the uh, wheat. The wheat, yes. Mm. Yeah, a little bit bready, like a, a fresh baked loaf that's a few days old. Mm. <laughs> anyway, we should finish these and move on to some more beer. Yes. Stay tuned to find out what the others are. So we've just poured ourselves an actual German beer. Yes. A German Beer that we can label a beer. That even in Germany could be labeled beer. And in fact, the label on this is in German and very clearly says Bayerisch Reinhansgewolt von 1516 beer. Hmm. So they followed it to the letter. Hmm. And it is a beer. And the ingredients are Wasser, Gernstenmalt, Hopfen. Water, malt, hops. Yep. Ingredients in English, water, barley, malt, hops. Yeah, that's it. That's that's what's in here. Plus which, yeast. Plus yeast, which is exactly what the Reinhardt says. Yeah. That you can have those three things and yeast doesn't exist. Yeast is a myth. <laughs> At least it was in 1516. <laughs> yeah, they had no idea how it actually worked. but yet And yet it worked. Which means that it was all wild yeast that uh, populated their beverages. Yeah, which is... Pretty impressive to think that they were able to so consistently produce good beers, even then, with wild yeast. Yeah. 
So this is a pilsner, which is a style of lager. Uh, it is very, very fragrant, very uh, light on the tongue, light in flavor, very refreshing, and it's for it because it's a German beer. It's got that, um, oh, what do you call it? That uh, sort of cured meat flavor, I guess. That's that's what I reckon it tastes like. It tastes like you know German sausage, like that kind of flavor i can't really describe it any other way yeah so i've just gone to the effort of uh translating a large chunk of text in the label Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to give you the full translation suffice to say it wasn't worth the effort it says store in a cool dark place do not shake basically (laughs) there is no description of the beer i hoped it was a description of the beer my understanding of german is not particularly good (laughs) But yes, it says, store dark and keep cool, do not shake. Oh. That's basically, yeah. How exciting. How exciting indeed. But yes, this is a Weihnstefana Pils. A Pilsner. That's it. And yeah, proper Deutsches beer. Mm. And if you want to know more about lagers and pilsners, have a look at our backlog for the lager episode, where we talked a lot about the Reinheitsgebot. And of course, this is going very well with the Kransky we have in front of us. Mm. So I reckon that this is just as good as the Hefeweizen that we just had. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think that they... They knew that by forcing people to keep it simple, mm. they had to make it good. Like when, when you've got a really simple recipe, you can still fuck that up. Like you can yeah. still, you can either refine it to the point of perfection mm. or just go, well, that's easy. I should do it. Mm. And they've clearly refined this. To, to perfection. Yeah, like yeah. I've had a lot of lagers because, you know, lager is the biggest selling beer mm. in Australia. Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, refreshing. It's not too heavy on the flavor and you can just legit, like drink it and drink it and drink it and you feel it quenches your thirst as opposed to making you thirsty and drunk. Yeah, and I've yeah, also had quite a few pilsners. And you've been to Bali, you've had Bintang. Yeah. Yeah, I've had Bintang and I'm pretty sure that um that Hollandia is is a pilsner, pilsner as well. That sounds about right. Um I'm not entirely sure, I don't remember. But this uh it's a lot more bubbly than the Hefeweizen. Yeah, oh, I, B- I bubbles can... are bigger. They they stick around more, hmm. and, and you can actively watch it effervescing. Yeah, and and you're burping a lot at the moment. And it, it's you can't held... he- you can't hear that as a as you as listeners. You won't be able to hear these because I'm editing them all out. But we're burping quite a lot. Yeah, there's bigger bubbles, and it's it's really held on to its at least the slightest bit of head as well. Like the um, on the last one, we didn't mention that the head disappeared almost immediately, but it did. It did. Yeah, and, and same with this one. Yeah, it's it went away pretty quickly, but mm. there is a remnant mm. which just wasn't there on on the oh. other one, and that has to go to just the fizz of it. Mm. 
And we're not saying it is a bad thing. That's what you expect from this style of beer. Absolutely. But this is pretty good. Pretty damn good. Um, I'm assuming it was a bit expensive. In uh, top drop territory for beer. Oh, I, I would say so, yeah. So, this is, yeah, this is pretty nice. I really like it. Yeah, the the color is golden. Mm. It's got an occasional bubble rising through it. It looks nice. It looks mm. pleasant. It looks refreshing. And yeah, I could definitely drink these all afternoon. They are, well, to a point, I think I would struggle after a few of these because it's so bubbly. It's so fizzy. Mm. Yeah, it's not particularly easy. I mean, it's easy to drink, but the bubbles kind of slow you down a bit. Mm. I'm starting to feel that set, feel those bubbles settle in my stomach. Yeah, it's that lager bloat, I think. Yeah. That... But it is really nice, though. Like, there's, it's not too, as we said on the last one, it's not too bitter. And this one, it's not bitter at all. Yeah, it's it's not bitter. I. Don't even know if you could register this on the IBU scale. Oh, it'd probably it, be like 10 or 15 or something It'd again. be low. It'd be mm. very low. And it's sweet and it's refreshing. Not not sweet like you'd expect from from a summer or something, yeah. but... Fruity. Yeah. Fruity. Like a fruity sweetness, yeah. yeah. And again, it's going really well with the Kransky we've got. Like that cheese and the mustard, like the cheese Kransky and the mustard is just... Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And the the smell of it is fantastic. It doesn't smell like a like a Forex or a Foster's or a Carlton or a Hell no. Cooper's. Yeah, or a Cooper's. It it you know, it doesn't smell like a great northerner. I, mean, I could go mm-hmm. on listing types of lager. It doesn't smell like any of them. No. Well, I mean it smells like a lager. Um and it tastes a bit like a lager. But it doesn't. It's got. It's there's a lot there. Yeah, it's a lager that has a lot going on. Mm. In a good way, not not in the excessive overwhelm the palate or overwhelm the senses kind mm. of way. Just you know, in the. This is more than just simple. Mm. Oh no! I reckon it is simple, and that's why it's working. I th- I think it's just nice and I mean th- there's a bit of nuance to it but because it's simple it's nice. It's mm. a casual drink. It's one where it, it blends in with the say you're drinking this at a, at an Oktoberfest party or a f- or the festival. This you could drink and it would it would be nice. It would enhance the atmosphere and not uh, take too much attention from your surroundings and your friends and yeah. what else, whatever else is going on. And I suppose that the fizz forces you to pace yourself mm. and it rests nicely on the tongue and it slowly dissipates and it's a very pleasant aftertaste. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely drinking this much slower than the Hefeweizen. Yeah, like you're, you're not in a <laughs> rush to grab the next mouthful and it isn't because you don't want it. It's because... What happens after that mouthful is so enjoyable mm. that you don't feel the need to get back to the best part. Yeah, that's it. That's it. 
All right, we've uh, we've almost finished these small portions, so might be time to move on to the next beer. Yes, indeed. All right, beer number three. Yes, we are back with the Marzen, which is brewed especially for Oktoberfest. Mm. So we, so we should give a bit of history about this one because. It is an Oktoberfest-specific beer. Yeah, it's literally the only time you can get it. Just about. I mean, that's the only time I've seen it in Australia. So it's a lager that originated in Bavaria. It has a medium to high or medium to full body and may vary in colour from pale through to amber to dark brown. Uh, It's a beer style that is traditionally served at Oktoberfest, according to the Wikipedia. Uh, I've just had a sip and it's like really bold. It's This is a full flavoured beer from our favourite craft brewer or from my favourite craft brewer. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a very dark, rich colour. Mm, like an amber, very mm. amber, like an amber ale colour. Well, a dark brownish amber, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And the flavour is balanced. The body is light. It's it's an impressive beer. Mm. So Marzen, or spelt with uh, two M A with two dots above it, R Z E N, or alternatively you can spell it with M A E R Z E N. The art has its origins in Bavaria, probably before the sixth sixth century. No one really has any concrete evidence, but I mean it's Germany. They yeah. had lagers about the fifth. To 16th century. Oh, yeah. And this particular one, it has a bunch of different names. I mean, yeah, there's Marzen beer and Wiener Marzen, but also Fest beer and Oktoberfest beer. Mm. Or even, I've, I've even seen it called March beer because Mars or Mers in German is March. I really hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> I'm really sorry for our German listeners to hear the butchering of the pronunciation. Sorry, not butchering, mincing of the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> the uh, so in uh, a, a decree in 1553, well, a Bavarian brewing ordinance decreed in 1553 that beer may be brewed only between the 29th of September or St Michael's Day and 23rd of April. Or St. George's Day. Yeah, so the Marzen was brewed in March with more hops and slightly higher alcohol content that would allow the beer to last during that period when brewing of new beer was forbidden. Hmm, which is a, a common theme, if you remember, to our IPA and Russian Imperial Stout episodes. Yeah, when they made things stronger to last longer. Stronger, hoppier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. I like it. It's still very fizzy. I'm burping a lot from this one, um, but it. I think it's probably nicer than the Pilsner. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's very hoppy, mm. and it's yeah, a little as, too. As a fan of uh, yeah, as a fan of IPAs, I'm quite enjoying the <laughs> the bitterness and the hoppiness. Because it is IPA-esque mm. in that regard. 
Yeah. I mean, it's very definitely of the lager family. There's no denying that. But I've uh, recently seen a style of beer called the IPL or India Pale Lager. And that is a, I guess you could call it a, a lager in the style of an IPA. And that is, yeah, it's, it's reminiscent of that. It's reminiscent of an IPA, but more, but with lager, pro, but prominently lager, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, because I mean, it's definitely a lager. Mm. There's there's no denying, but it does have a lot of those IPA characteristics. Absolutely. Not to say, of course, that really the I, IPA... The IPA probably has a lot of these characteristics more accurately mm. since this has been around for significantly <laughs> longer. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Um, and it it's nice to try things that are season-specific or festival-specific. Yeah. Because we, cause it's different. It's, there's a, a novelty factor. Well, yeah, and naturally... Like if we consider when this is supposed to be consumed, and I could see this sitting really well in colder weather, mm. and that's kind of what that period is. It's you know it's that autumn time just before winter mm. over in over in Germany, and in that sort of weather, which is kind of what we're having here in Australia now as well, because it's. It's spring because it's spring. Yeah, so we're we're in a similar sort of a space, temperature wise, and I think that kind of those kind of environmental factors make a beer that tastes like this more enjoyable mm, because there's absolutely. there's a warmth to it, like not excessive. It's not a winter drink, but it but, tastes nice, ice cold, and it still warms you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is quite interesting, really. Quite interesting. I like it. But because it's uh, fuller in flavor and uh, more alcoholic, I don't think I could have too many of these. Yeah, I mean, you really shouldn't have too many of these. <laughs> but, yeah, the the taste is really interesting. There's something to it I can't quite put my finger on that is actually reminiscent of a smoky German sausage. Mm. Yeah, this is a beer that will also go fantastically with the uh, Kransky that we had mm. if we hadn't eaten it all. Yeah, well, and it would, of <laughs> course, go fantastically with any sort of verst that you may obtain at Oktoberfest. Mm. Or even, I think it would also go really well with uh, pretzel, like a giant pretzel. Yeah, a giant mm. pretzel or a pork knuckle or that sauerkraut, sort of, any that of those hearty, traditional hearty, yeah. Yeah, hearty German food. Um, we thought we had a, a, a thought that we might record this episode at Oktoberfest and then we realized that no, it's loud. Yeah. Too loud, too loud to record Oktoberfest. Mm. We, we were there last year and we couldn't have. No. You would not have heard us. No way. But I mean, it's, you know, nice, nice beer. But oh yeah, and Oktoberfest is is good. I like the atmosphere because people are there to 
well, I hope people are there to enjoy the drinks and not there to get drunk. Mm, well, they, they should be there to enjoy the drinks, enjoy the ambience, the environment, <coughs> the vibe. Because mm. there is a good vibe when people are, you know, in the Lederhosen and Donal, and they're just having fun. Mm. That's what it's about. Well, that's our opinion of what it's about. I think well, a lot of people... That's how it began. It began as a festival of, uh, you know... Of marriage. Just a, a celebration. A celebration of marriage, even. And now... Well, now, I definitely think people go there to just get plastered. For sure. For sure. I mean, last time I went, there were definitely people there just to get drunk. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, but with an excuse. I mean, they've gone there to get drunk with an excuse. It's Oktoberfest. <laughs> it's it's an excuse to get drunk. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, it's better than, you know, when the excuse is, well, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I've nearly killed Stuart. <laughs> As he chokes on his beer. He nearly lost the microphone. Because that was half a second away from a spit take. <laughs> yeah, this Marzen is nice. From yeah, uh this one's from our favorite from my favorite uh craft brewer. They make well, good stuff. Yeah. They they are a very good craft brewer. We have mentioned them previously. Yeah, semi pro. Yes, we've been there. Mm. We did a whole episode. We on did it. a whole episode on it. We did. Yeah. And um, we will undoubtedly mention them again. But they, they've done a really good job at capturing the German-style beer. And I was when I uh, picked up the growler of this, I was talking to the guy there, and he said they, only, they, act, they made 16 kegs of it, but they only got one because the German club bought the other 15. Yeah, so obviously they hit the nail on the head when it came to the flavor profile. Mm. I mean, if the German club like it. Yeah. What's well, not to love? Well, exactly. And I mean, naturally, they uh, they enjoy what they do. And definitely. They do remind me of a, a lot of most of the German people who I've known and befriended over the years in that they're relaxed, they're laid back, but the things that matter to them, they take oh so seriously. Mm. And yeah, and this beer really, because you can have great relaxing chats with with the guys that brew this stuff, but they take it very seriously and they get great results. Yeah. So what do you reckon? What's your favorite so far? Oh, well, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to give any ratings until the end Ah. and then bottle caps. We still, (laughs) we still have one more, one more beer to try. One more to try the Crystal Weissen. Crystal Weissen, the the last wheat beer. Mm, The last wheat beer, the Crystal Clear. Wheat beer. All right. And we are back with our very last beer, the uh, Crystal Weissen. Which we should have brought over the bottle for, probably. All right. Let me grab it. Yeah. So, das ist the Schoferhofer Crystal Weissen. And um, it is a premium Weissen beer. So this is a premium Weissen beer, premium crystal wheat beer. Mm. And uh, according to the label on the back, it's a pretty simple ingredient list as well. Water, wheat malt, barley malt, hop extract. So it's a wheat beer. It's a wheat beer, yeah. But 
the the difference between this and the Hefeweizen is that it's been filtered, so it is clear. Yeah, it's like, you it, can you can see through it. It's still a golden color, but you could read a book through it. Like, yeah, like honestly, it is that clear. <laughs> I mean, like you don't normally find wheat beers this clear. I haven't tasted it yet, so I'm curious to see how the oh how the flavor is affected. It's really nice. Yeah, really crisp and refreshing. And despite not appearing overly fizzy, it's got that light, small bubble effect that kind of wraps the tongue in fizz. Mm-hmm. Like, but, the, like the first one. Yeah. Like but the, the bubbles don't stick around like the lagers. No, it doesn't give you that bloaty feeling mm. that you get from the bigger bubbled beers. Yeah. How about that? Uh, yeah, not bad. And the, the smell is quite interesting. It doesn't really smell like the first wheat beer. No, it does. Sm- it de- definitely smells different. I guess more. Um, I mean, it still smells bready, but more. Um, I guess less yeasty bready, and more like a dark bread. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, I think the other one smelled more like a sourdough almost, and this yeah. one kind of. Like yeah. A white. White loaf or maybe... Well, like a, a rye grain loaf. So there's yes, no, there we go. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no rye in this, but it kind of has that smell to it. Hmm. I'm not saying it smells like fresh bread or anything. Don't get your hopes off, but it's... But it's honestly... It's reminiscent. It's, it smells kind of fresher than... Or tastes kind of more like fresh bread than the other one. Yes. The other one was a little bit stale bread. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're still there. They're wheaty, and there's there's a definitive difference mm. between a wheat beer and a barley beer or a lager. Lager. Yeah, with without a doubt. Mm. I mean, th- this has a lightness to it, mm. and it should be noted that the head is collecting around the edge, like. And and it's a a clear white foam, mm, as opposed to a a soft, bubbly foam like the lager and the pilsner. Yeah, and it's holding on to it too. Mm. Like the uh, the middle, the head from the middle of the glass dissipated, but it's holding around the outer rim. Yeah. As yeah, a nice clean white ring, and the the appearance is very pleasant, and the flavour is fantastic. Yeah, this is this is nice. This is nice. And again, this would go well with the Kransky and the German sausages. Had we not eaten it all yeah. already, yes. I mean that's the just running out of sausage is just the worst. Yeah, it's it's been it's been quite some time since we began recording this episode mm. and we underestimated how well the German sausage would go with the German beers and we didn't have enough. Mm. Which is a shame. But we don't get everything right. We're Discovering and learning new things just like we're teaching you. Yeah. And that's that's an important thing to remember. Mm. We're people too. <laughs> of course we're people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is nice. Um I'm honestly liking it better than the two lagers the, the lager and the pilsner. Just because
because the bubbles are nicer. Yeah, it's it's light, it's refreshing, it goes down easy, it's not heavy. Mm. When it, you know, it doesn't sit heavily in the stomach. And I'm also getting quite a pleasant aftertaste from this. Yeah, me too. Like a very mild beer aftertaste that sort of sticks around and is, I don't know, kind of reminiscent of pork or um, <laughs> pork or like cured meats. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting that slightly. A little bit of a cured pork effect. But yeah, so if uh, if you're one of our listeners in uh, one of the countries where it's currently autumn and coming into winter, all of these beers we've talked about are perfect to drink right now. Yeah. It's the right kind of weather. It should be getting cooler. These All these beers are uh, warming. They're very nice, but they're still nice and refreshing, so you can drink them through the afternoon and into the evening. Yeah, so in the warmer parts of the day, because naturally, being the season, it is still warmer during the day, Mm -hmm. but it becomes cooler, and you can drink it during the warmer parts of the day, during the cooler parts of the day. Yeah, absolutely. These are all good for mixed weather, mixed weather kind of drinks. Because, I mean, autumn, spring, the weather could be anything. Really? Yeah, it, it absolutely could be. Mm. Only the wor- only the Earth knows what's it, what it's going to be. That's right. <laughs> Earth Chan knows. Earth Chan knows. <laughs> yeah. So, um, out of these four, which are your favourite? Yeah. So I I think probably the I think if we if we're going to rank the four, and I didn't know we were going to rank the four, but I guess by right. by giving bottle caps, we basically are ranking the four. Yeah, and we're going to give bottle caps because the one we the one we're drinking now, I would probably give maybe seven bottle caps to. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it seven as well. Um, like it's nice, it's refreshing, it's not overly fizzy. Um, the what do we have before? The Marzen. The Marzen, I would probably give an eight. I would give it a seven and a half. Because mm. while the flavor was good, it was very fizzy. Oh, that that's true. Yeah, I would probably take a half a point off for the the after effects of the Marzen. Mm. Uh, the, what do we have before? The the Weizenstefaner? Bison the Pilsner. The Pilsner. Um, that was that was pretty nice. That was really refreshing. But again, the bubbles stuffed me around. And yeah, it, it prevents you from being able to have too much of it. Mm. Like I just felt so bloated after a glass of that. And the Hefeweizen, that was actually really good. Like just light, refreshing. The bubbles weren't too intense. Yeah, I, I think I'd probably give a seven and a half to the Hefeweizen. I would give an eight to that one. Oh, you would give it an eight? Yeah. And I, I'd probably throw a seven in the direction of the Pilsner. Yeah. Because it was nice, the flavours were good, it just lost points for how heavy it felt. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, that pretty much sums up our episode on Oktoberfest and Oktoberfest beers. All right, so... 
thanks for listening, guys. If you liked what you heard, we'd love you to hit that subscribe button or smash that like button wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find us as A Good Drop All About Alcohol on places like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, so on and so forth. We are also on the socials, Facebook and Instagram as A Good Drop Podcast. And if you want to check out our backlog of previous episodes, you can go to our website, agooddrop.com.au, where you can find all of our previous episodes to share, listen to, subscribe. And if you've got any comments, questions, uh, suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, now be sure to tune in next time when we do a flashback for our two-year anniversary and do the top of the top drops. Yeah, we've been doing this doing this for two years, guys, guys and girls, and everyone. Yeah, I'm. I've been thoroughly enjoying the journey. Yeah, and so top of the drop drop top of the top drops will be our top ten top drops. Top ten top drops. I don't know, Mickles top number one and Mickle doesn't know my top ten number one so it's it's gonna be good yeah tune in I'm I'm excited I don't because I, I honestly don't know what your favorite is I I have my suspicions but we'll, not only you will find out next week I will too <laughs> thanks guys we'll see you later cheers cheers